Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Secret Language Podcast. Um, coming at you this week is an episode that I recorded with Matt, uh, where we discussed the 2016 Martin Scorsese film Silence. Um, if you have not seen this film and you plan to, uh, now is your warning. We're going to spoil many aspects of the film, both thematically and as far as just things that happen. So if you plan to see this movie and you'd like to, it's available on Hulu right now. So stop the podcast, go watch it, and then come back and enjoy the show. All right. I'm ready. Howdy, folks. Welcome back to the Secret Language Podcast. It is me, Jesse, and today I have with me a guy named... Matt. Matt. (laughs) Uh, You guys already knew that. I kind of explained last week that we'd be... We'd have Matt back on, who is making very loud noises right now. (laughs) Uh, And we were going to be discussing a film that we saw recently called Silence. Uh, Silence is a 2016 release directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Andrew Garfield, Adam Driver, and Liam Neeson. Matt, where did this whole story start with you with this movie? I say as he takes a giant bite of food. I saw it at the, uh, that's a good question. I either saw it at the movie rental at High Class or recommended on something. I don't even remember, but I watched it. I remember rent. it was free on Amazon or I rented it on Amazon or something. But uh, me and dad watched it together, actually. Oh, really? It was just me and dad. Everyone else was asleep. I don't remember. It was like a weird circumstance, but. I mean, anytime just, dad sits uh, down and watches a whole movie, it is. Kind of <laughs> <a weird> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's true. Special case. Okay. So when I'm guessing, so you're probably living at home. Was this, well, the movie was released in 2016. So if it was something you rented from the store, it probably would have been 16, 17, something like that. Yeah, probably 2017, I imagine. Okay, cool. So I saw this for the first time, like, last week or something. Yeah. And it absolutely rocked my world. I had to text Cole Gwynn about it and be like, hey, man, if you loved such and such movie, then you've got to see Silence. Yeah. And, of course, I talked to you about it since you had spoken so highly about it in in the, the movie episode that we did. You said it was visually the prettiest movie you'd ever seen Mm. and so that was Mm. enough for me to say okay this has been on my watch list for a while let's just let's just do it yeah yeah um man it was fantastic um where do you where, where where do we even start um probably with the story i'd imagine yeah what's what is it about What's so the story takes place in like the 1640s in Japan. You've got two Portuguese Christian um, missionaries. Do we want to call them Christians? Yeah, they're they're Catholic, Catholic, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of that funny thing where, yeah, Catholics are Christians, but they're also Catholics. Like they go by Catholic and not Christian, Mm. which is like. They are Christians, but they're like 
weigh their own brand. So I don't, we're, we're going to call them Christians because that's what they are. Um, you got these two Portuguese Christian mini, uh, missionaries and they are going to Japan where they're, uh, the guy who taught them the gospel. I, that's the way I'm going to put it. The guy who kind of trained them to be fathers. Um, he'd gone missing and they went looking for him. So you've got Padre or Father Rodriguez played by Andrew Garfield and Father Garupe played by Adam Driver. So they go looking for him. They find out that what, what makes this interesting is not that they're looking for him for Ferreira, which is played by Liam Neeson, it is that Christianity is illegal in Japan. And that's kind of where the crux of the story is. So what do you think? Anything you'd want to add to just a basic synopsis? Yeah, I think like the two the two major themes of the movie are Christianity in the, in the East, or maybe even Christianity versus the East. There's like a pretty uh, like explicit line where it's like this dude's talking to Father Rodrigo or Rodrigo or whatever. He's like Rodriguez. Rodriguez, and he's like, Christianity will never like be in Japan. He's yeah. like, it will never, it will never, never be here. And so part of it's about Christianity coming to the East, and part of it's about personal faith and struggling with uh suffering the silence of god and when others suffer and you don't um which i'd I'd probably toss it all into like one maybe one one big basket but very touching very powerful film oh yeah i think that we'll we'll go into the themes for sure because i think that is that is what makes this film so good it is visually amazing um it reminds me of Akira Kurosawa, which is a Japanese director. There's a particular movie of his called Throne of Blood. It's in black and white, but it has a lot of these shots of like the Japanese landscape with all this like fog and smoke. And it's like the very beginning mm-hmm. of the movie with those establishing shots with, you know, the, the mountains and the foliage and all this fog. And I was just like, whoa, there it is. I mean, it was nominated for an Oscar for best cinematography. It earns it. Um, but the thing, going back to the first thing you mentioned about Christianity versus the East, um, I was really surprised by how it was, how the idea, like their their approach to getting Christianity and keeping it out of Japan wasn't just like, we're going to keep it out. It's that they were going to take it and completely beat it down and own it, almost. Like, they weren't just like, you know, shooing shooing them out with a broom like all right now get get out of here they they beat them down they tortured them and then they they made them stay they're like all right you've got a japanese name now and a japanese life and a wife and we're gonna make you write us a letter every year continuing to deny god and so like it wasn't just about like keeping it out it was about completely dominating it and breaking it down Mm-hmm. Which, which I think is like a, you know, it's like a similar like Daniel Esther kind of situation, where it's like we're not just gonna kill everyone who's Jewish when we come in here. It's like we're gonna reinvent you and make you forget, you yeah. know, what you were. 
um, to the point where people believe it, you know? Yeah. Um, by the way, this is a spoiler episode. Like, I feel like I should have said that eight minutes ago, but obviously we're going to say a lot of things about this movie that if you've not seen it, kind of going to ruin it for you. But um, yeah, I I just found that part really neat, how they were going to completely beat it out of them. Um, mm. And so I guess that's one of the big questions that you're left with at the end of the movie is, did they really convert that that's being father Guerrera. I mean, uh, man, that's not even one of the names Ferreira and, uh, Rodriguez. You're kind of stuck asking at the end of the movie. Did, did they convert? Like they, they apostatized, which is they denied Jesus. But I think there are hints for both characters that they didn't, they didn't give it up despite, uh, despite apostatizing in front of everyone. Father Rodriguez is a lot more direct. I mean, it's it's quite literally the last shot of the film. Like, you, you can't miss it. He's being cremated, and he's holding a little cross, the one that uh, Mokichi gave him. Mm-hmm. And then Father Ferreira's is a lot more subtle. So you've got that, that scene where they're both inspecting like the Dutch trade goods and they're trying to eliminate anything that's Christian or non-Christian in origin. And at one point, Father Ferreira looks at something. He says, this is non-Christian, puts it in the non-Christian pile. And then Rodriguez picks it up, like pulls back this secret panel, whatever, and sees a picture of Jesus. And he goes, Christian. And Father Ferreira kind of throws him this look. Like, it's really, really subtle. But he kind of looks at him like, what are you doing? Like, I knew that was there. I was trying to let that slide. So he kind of throws him this look that I think would insinuate that neither one of them converted despite apostatizing. Mm. I don't know. Is that something you even cared about by the end of the movie? Oh, yeah. I was just really mad. Well, sure. Like, I was frustrated that they apostatized and that they, they play, like, played along and acted fake. Like, it's really disappointing to me. Well, perfect. I think that's. I think that was the biggest thing for me at the end of the movie, and I think we should talk about it. Um, in the movie, this this question is constantly being asked: What's the right thing to do? You know, there's a point where the Japanese people ask Rodriguez and Garupe, like, hey, what should we do if we're told to apostatize? And Father Rodriguez says, just do it. Don't worry about it. And Garupe's like, no, man, you can't do that. You can't tell these people to deny God. And, and so it builds it up as if it's a question, like, what should we do? Um, and it makes it feel like there's this, like, moral dilemma. It's like, do I... Do I save my own skin to fight another day? Or do I stand for what I believe in? And I really think that it takes about two seconds of looking in the New Testament to really see that knowing the right thing to do is not that hard. Uh, is that just the way I'm seeing it? Do you see it the same way? What are you thinking? No, yeah. I think you're exactly right. Like, 
I mean, it's like Acts 4, or later on in Acts, where it's like, look, we told you boys to quit preaching about Jesus. And they don't say, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'll just keep, like, sneakily doing it and pretend like I'm dumb. They're like, look, man, if it comes down to listening to God or listening to you, we're not listening to you. Yeah. And we're not we're not going to quit. Um, and that, that does end in the death and the execution of a lot of people. But... Like better, I mean, like I'm reminded of some like really harrowing thing Jesus says, where he's like, "Those who deny me before men, I will deny before my Father." Mm, yeah, like that's pretty serious. I don't think he's messing around on that. No, you know, um, absolutely. I so I I kind of go back to the story of Stephen being stoned and the story of Peter denying Jesus on the night he was betrayed and arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that you're going to just deny Jesus to, to like take the heat off. That if you think you're going to get away with that, then your faith is not what it needs to be. Not what it ought to be, because that story ends with Peter bitterly weeping like that. That is not something where Peter's like, Hey, Hey, I got out of this. Like I made it. Like he is weeping bitterly by the end of that story, and rightly yeah. so. Like it's not hard to know what the right thing to do is. That doesn't make it any easier to do it. Which is the whole faith yeah. thing. But Which like I don't want to be like sympathetic too, because it is based on a true story. Yeah. And part of oh we haven't mentioned this in this podcast yet, but like part of the huge struggle for Father Rodriguez is it's like the government officials are looking for him because they know that he's been preaching and they're like, give him up. They're telling like the townspeople wherever he's at, like, give him up. And the people are like, no, because if you go, like no one can teach us. Like we need you to teach us. So they refuse to give him up. And there are people that are suffering and dying in Rodriguez's place. Um, because they've chosen to die or to suffer rather than him so that he can continue teaching people. And it's like, I can't imagine, I cannot imagine the difficulty of that. You know, like all these people are suffering intensely so that you don't have to. And, and then later on they do end up apprehending him and he won't deny Jesus. And so they continue making and like torturing people but they just make him watch and he can't do anything about it. Like, I cannot imagine, you know, and the whole time it's, I mean, it's like so horrible. They're like, we'll stop as soon as you deny Christ. Like we'll put an end to this. Like it's in your hands. It's like, I can't imagine what you would feel in that moment. But I think before you get there, you know, you need to decide I'm not going to deny my God. Yeah. I think the hardest scene to watch is the first time they're they're in that first village. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, Mm -hmm. but the guy who was kind of their spiritual leader, Ichizo and Mm -hmm. Mokichi and two other guys, they are, I guess, functionally crucified because the idea is with crucifixion, what kills you is the asphyxiation. 
So they're they're tied to these crosses, <clears throat> and the crosses are put in the water at low tide. And then as the tide comes up, they are getting hit wave after wave until they drown on the cross. And Rodriguez is standing far away watching this happen. It's I, it is it is painful, like. <laughs> It is incredible. So, I I couldn't imagine that. Like, I couldn't imagine really being on either end of that. Like, we, I, one of the things I, I really came to the conclusion about is how completely cushy my life is. Like, I don't know anyone that's been that's been persecuted for their faith. I don't know anyone that knows anyone that's been persecuted for their faith. Not like that. And so, you know, we have it so good. Mm-hmm. I just. Yeah, it's a very humbling yeah. experience to watch this movie. That's for sure. Um, but very powerful. And um, it should inspire not just like an understanding, but like it reminds me of a. This kind of like age-old question that gets repeated in the book of Revelation. It's like chapter six or something. There's like this vision of the throne and all this stuff, and it's this like uh, altar. It's like burning continually before the Lord. And John sees all these people underneath it, and they're like the people that have been martyred um, for their faith, and they're crying out to God and they're saying, "How long? Like how long till you redeem us? Like how long are you going to let this keep going?" Um, and the encouraging answer is like as much as people ask that across all of time uh, God's answer is always like soon you know <laughs> like don't you worry and I think that's an important thing not just to like think about that be like there are people right now who are suffering intensely yeah. and that shouldn't just make us sad that should stir us to like plead for them to God and ask him to do something about it you know yeah. So I don't know. That's like a good. It's a really powerful thing. It's like a. Yeah, this is not like a sit down and uh, get like a big ball of popcorn kind of movie. This is like a. You're like fast for a month after watching this. This movie. is two hours and forty minutes of holding the mirror up to your face and saying, "Where are you at spiritually right now, man?" Yeah. yeah it, is. <laughs> it is not a lighthearted watch. Even even if you're not a Christian, it's not a lighthearted watch because it is such a heavy movie thematically and there's a lot of suffering and hard things to watch. Like it is it is not just a, a chill out and relax kind of a movie. Um I wanna talk about probably the most interesting character in the movie. Uh which is Kichichiro. Yeah. Um, Kichichiro is a Japanese dude on the run in Portugal that takes them to Japan. And then he's just kind of around a lot for the remainder of the movie. He Mm -hmm. is one of the Christians that had previously apostatized. And he just kind of keeps showing up. Like, I don't, I don't know what his deal is. Um, he always shows up at big, important moments in Rodriguez's life. 
um, he he kind of feels like a conscience kind of character to me. I know he's a real person. It's not like a figment of Rodriguez's imagination or something, but he always shows up and says, I have to confess. I need you to forgive me. And then he just kind of, he's kind of there to just kind of cement Rodriguez and his convictions. It's kind of what it feels like, Hmm. which is neat. But on, on the flip side, he's also, He's, he's kind of the character that I think is the easiest to relate to. And that's really sad because every time he shows up and asks to be forgiven, then he apostatizes again and then runs off and hides somewhere. And like, it's just constant, constant backsliding. And that's, again, yeah. one of those things that just kind of holds, holds a mirror up to you and says, does this sound familiar to you, man? Like, have you seen this before? Um, it's, I find that character very interesting. Yeah, it's, that's a, something you brought up is like, I think to me that might've been the most like disturbing or like troubling part of the movie actually. How do you oh, say yeah. his name again? I don't know how to say his name. Kichichiro? Kichichiro. Yeah. Like Kichichiro. Kichichiro. He was like say it uh, fast enough. It just sounds right. Yeah. He uh so especially this it's important was because they're Catholic, because Kichichiro, according to Catholicism, cannot be forgiven until he confesses and this priest forgives him. Like intercedes for him. Yeah. And so it's not just that or Kichichiro is like has all these thoughts he's just like venting or like confiding in Rodriguez it's like he needs him and as much as Rodriguez despises him in a lot of ways and also has great compassion on him you know he feels like this sort of like responsibility and like duty even though Kichichiro is betraying him and leading them to him and like all this horrible stuff but yeah, it's like horrible because like I had the same kind of thing where it's like super, super relatable. Where it's like you literally just did this like yesterday. It's horrible. You're hurting other people, but you're doing it again. And yet you're coming here crying, like real tears, asking to be forgiven. It's like, man. It that was hard to watch for me. That was hard to watch. Yeah, he's He's, I think, the most interesting character. Um, and I find it interesting that you can see it on Rodriguez's face after, like, the fourth time or so that he's like, man, I really cannot stand you. I've seen so many people die, and you keep coming here and doing the same thing over and over again. But he's still... You can see him going through the blessing as Kichichiro is being dragged away by these guards. He's He's doing the whole thing, and he's doing it anyways which is the right thing to do. He's, he's continuing to forgive and to, I don't want to say see the best in people, but it's about constantly giving him another chance, just the way that Christ does. Yeah. I don't know. I find that interesting. Are you looking for something in a book? Yeah, I can't find it though. Oh, you're good. Um, I'll, I'll keep talking while you're looking. I don't know. 
I got I got stuff. <laughs> no, you're um, good, bro. One of the things that I find neat about the movie is this use of biblical imagery. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, it's a story about faith and Christian missionaries, um, but they use a lot of things that are that happen in the Bible that just kind of like they're almost like little Easter eggs. It's these things that you would recognize if you were a Christian. To someone else, they just seem just kind of there. Um, you know, obviously you had the people dying on the crosses. Um, that's that's kind of an obvious, that's kind of a given. I think everyone gets that one. But there's a point where Kichijiro more or less sells out Rodriguez. Uh, the, the government was giving away money to people for turning in Christians. And... And the guy that comes and arrests Rodriguez like literally picks up the money and just like throws it at him. The same way that we kind of see Judas throwing the money back into the into the temple. He just kind of like chucks it at him. Loose coins. Um, I found that really... Like that was just one of them. Um, on top of that, you had every time that Rodriguez was being paraded around from, from one prison to the next, they've got him on a donkey carrying him into town same way Jesus was when he was last time coming in Jerusalem before he died, mm-hmm. which always just for me just kind of gave it this sense of foreboding because that's something that I recognize. It's like, Oh, Rodriguez isn't making it out of this one alive. And he continues to make it out alive. He continues to keep moving from prison to prison each mm-hmm. time. I, I just found that really, really neat. There's, there's a part where he is speaking to, it's kind of this, uh, it's not a monologue, it's, it's a voiceover. And Rodriguez is saying that he's had a lot of success, you know, teaching the gospel to prison guards. It's like, oh, we've seen that before. Um, there's just a lot of things. I think if I saw it again, looking for more things, you could find them. But they, they use... These, these things from the Bible that, like you said, this is a true story, and I'm sure certain aspects of it continued 500 years later, 400 years later. But I just found that stuff really neat, just kind of to keep an eye out and to keep the focus on where it needed to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think I said... That's a good way to put it. And also, it's like, uh, I don't know, it's like um, the whole, like, movie, just with, like, the uh, aesthetic and the shots and, like, the colors that they use and all this stuff, it's, like, a really, um, like grays and blues, you know, a lot of green, uh, a lot of green. Um, and it kind of, the way it shifts from uh, like the outer villages to like the prison and like the bigger cities and stuff. Um, it really like communicates like the, for lack of a better term, the vibe, you know, um, so that was kind of, that's kind of cool. But. Can we talk about the title 
of the movie for a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the title is Silence, obviously, but they're not they're not super uh, like strong arming it. They're not super like obvious with like, oh, the silence, and they're they're not like pointing to it. It's it's very kind of subtle. You kind of have to follow it really closely to understand why it's called silence. I think it's yeah. really only mentioned in like two of the quotes throughout the movie about, I, so. I mean, the word silence is barely used, but it's something that is kind of this overarching theme uh, through the, through the movie, but also just kind of in our lives as Christians, there's this, this silence that we, we deal with all the time. Um, you know, God doesn't speak directly to us. So, so, <clears throat> so we pray and there's not like an answer directly through a voice that we hear. And so there's there's a silence and when we communicate to God, we are communicating essentially into silence where there's someone on the other side listening but we don't hear them hear them responding back. And I think you're more equipped to speak on this this idea than I am. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like, uh, yeah, I think it's just like two quotes. I remember one. He's like, he's like, I can pull. Maybe, I've got them pulled I, up. Oh yeah, you, if you could just read those, actually, that'd be, be cool. So I don't remember when in the movie this is said, but Rodriguez says at one point, "I pray, but I'm lost. Am I just praying to silence?" He's asking mm-hmm. someone, not even really rhetorically, but almost rhetorically. He's he's talking about. You know, am I am I just praying to silence? Mm-hmm. They're they're doing all this this work and they're hiding and running for their lives and watching people die, and it just seems like nothing's getting better. Um. So that's that's one of the quotes, and then the the other time it's really mentioned is I think really. Oh man, it gave me chills last time I read it. Sarah and I were talking about it. And I read the quote again, and it was it was really neat. And it's also, well, I'll say I'll save it. Uh, it's it's a voiceover towards the end of the movie. Uh, Rodriguez is saying, "Lord, I fought against your silence." And then the voice of Jesus responds, "I suffered beside you. I was never silent." Father Rodriguez says, "I know, but even if God had been silent my whole life to this very day, everything I do, everything I've done, speaks of Him." And then mm-hmm. Father Rodriguez again says, it was in the silence that I heard your voice. Um, which is awesome. Like that's that's a really powerful scene. It's him kind of coming to peace with what had happened and what he had done. But it's also kind of a neat, because it's kind of a neat thing because it kind of reverses this idea of the silence because you hear this voiceover of the voice of Christ kind of communicating with him. And so it's kind of breaking that silence. Um, that's it's all very interesting. Um, it reminds me of the story of Elijah in First Kings nineteen, <clears throat> running from from Jezebel. I think you and I have talked about this a little bit. It's probably my favorite story in the Bible, but. Basically, Elijah's running running for his life. He goes to Mount Horeb, the Mount of God, and he's hiding in a cave. 
and God calls him to the mountaintop and God goes before him. And there's, there's this fire and an earthquake and this rushing wind. And it says that God was not in any of those things. But then there was the sound of a low whisper. And I think we're meant to believe that that is, that is where God is communicating with Elijah. And something about the silence part of it, where it's not any of these big grand things, things that God has used to communicate in the past. It is this low whisper, this essentially silent thing. Um, I don't know, man. There's something something poetic about that, something bigger behind it that I, I haven't wrapped my head around. But that's what that movie quote reminds me of. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a good idea. I hadn't thought about that. I mean, he um, says, and, and in the silence, I heard your voice. And that is, it just kind of points me right there. That's the first thing my mind goes to. But. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so I think, like, maybe part of what's so frustrating about the whole situation is, like, he doesn't hear anything from God. You know, like, because it's not just that, you know, we've been talking a lot about, like, the suffering. Um, and it's like, there's obviously a lot of that. But another big thing to consider is, like, there's a lot of success. Yeah. You know, like, they've converted so many people, and there's so many people passionate about God. And so it's like, there's been a lot of ups, there's been a lot of downs and through the whole thing. He feels like he doesn't know whether God's approving of him or not. Um, and from his perspective, he doesn't really see things change. Yeah. I mean, there yeah. is the success, but it's not like, I mean, essentially it's that thing where God says, no, this is, this is the plan. This is what's going to happen. His situation doesn't change. I mean, it, you could almost say it gets worse. Like, yeah. <clears throat> there never comes this moment where it's like, and finally, you know, my luck broke. Finally God intervened and it was all okay in the end. Like, no, he died in Japan. Yeah. Under strict government surveillance. Like it was, it was not the answer that he was looking for. It was not the things that he had wanted, which I think is another kind of theme to the story. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's a very happy ending. And I think no, I agree. it's not. It's not. I think if you're not a Christian, you can watch that movie and kind of be like, oh, yay, the perseverance of the human spirit. And you're like, no, that is not what this story is about. Like, <laughs> this is a much darker ending than anyone wants to think it is. Decay of conviction. And even if he never gave it up in his heart, just the fact that he bent over in real life, that <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's depressing man it's really tough um I don't know. what were you looking for what were you what was brewing while i was talking oh i was trying to think of um this idea that um this is in daniel 3 mm-hmm where 
it's a really powerful story. You know, I think a lot of people probably know it. It's like Daniel's friends, fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar's like, look, I'm going to toss you in and kill you if you don't worship this idol right. I'll give you another shot. Oh, Nebby K be generous. And they're like, yeah, we don't need your generosity. We're not going to do it. And they say something that's incredible. They say, well, for one, Nebuchadnezzar's like, and who's the God that can deliver you out of my hands? Which is incredibly arrogant. Um, then they say, our God can. Like, we won't bow down, and we believe that he can and that he will deliver us out of your hands. But even if he doesn't, know that we won't bow down to your idol. And normally when I think about that story, I always remember it's like, he can, but even if he doesn't, you know. But yeah. that's not what they say. They say he can and he will, but even if he doesn't. I'm like, well, how do you go from I think and I know that he will to... Yeah, but even if he doesn't, you know, it seems like a jump to me, but it's not. And that's like incredible faith. And so I think part of the struggle that Rodriguez has so much, because even maybe another spoiler, Brother Guerrero dies and is put to death and he has to watch it. Yeah. Garube. And they lied. And they lied to Garube saying that Rodriguez apostatized when he hadn't. I mean, they were, they were definitely playing each other off of each yeah. other. They like lied to each other and like destroyed their friendship. Like, it's a horrible thing. But um I think part of what Rodriguez struggles with is it's like I mean how many times would it cross his mind that it would have been easier and better if I they had just executed me. You know? Yeah. Like even if God doesn't deliver me, why doesn't he just take me out of this? Like, why, why am I forced to keep facing this over and over and over and over? Um, which is like a real like, like horrible thing that he's having to like deal with, you know? Yeah. So uh, it's like a big, it's like a big hard point. I was just thinking, you know, you, you brought up, you know, we, we brought up this idea that other Christians had been told their whole lives you know, it, we see it in the Bible, people are told, stop preaching. They're like, no, I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. And, and you're like, man, how did he not pick that up? But it just kind of struck me that this period, 1640s, Europe, they're in Portugal, um, there's kind of a big thing going on in the Catholic Church uh, called the Reformation. Yeah. This, this guy, Martin Luther's over here, you know, causing a lot of problems. Uh, Martin Luther, who who famously stood before... A, a Catholic court of people, the Diet of Worms, and they told him, take back what you said. He said, here I stand, I'll say no different. These people are going to put him to death. And he's like, I'm not going to change my mind. So I just I just find that kind of interesting, you know, that that seems like something he'd have been aware of, at least. This, mm. this idea of, you know, there's there's just kind of the world versus Christianity, but there's also this kind of inner inner battle of Christianity versus Christianity, um, which is interesting. Um, 
there was a line that I kind of forgot about until just now that kind of gets reversed on each other. Um, there's the part where they're hiding out in that little shack mm-hmm. and, and Garupe's getting like cabin fever. He's going nuts and he's kind of losing his cool and he apologizes. He's like, I'm sorry. I just, I'm frustrated with all this. Or maybe it was when they're hiding in the cave when they first arrived. I don't know. One way or another, he's, he's frustrated about something. He's angry. And Rodriguez says, it's okay. I'm here for you. You're just a bad Jesuit. And he's like kind of poking fun at him. He's like, yeah, it's okay. Not a big deal. You're just not very good at this whole, this whole thing. But by the end of the story, Garupe dies doing the right thing trying to save the people they were killing. He jumps into the water and tries to save the people they were drowning, mm-hmm. drowns himself, while Rodriguez, the guy who was apparently much f- firmer in his faith, apostatizes and, and gives up. And so yeah. like, that whole thing kind of flips on him. Um, which is, that, that, That's just a theme in, in just storytelling in general that I really love is when, when roles are reversed and characters that are opposites end up becoming each other or flipping. I I just find that a really, really fun theme to watch play out on screen. So Mm -hmm. I found that really, really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I forgot the part where he's like, calls him a bad (laughs) Jesuit. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That's one of like the only lighthearted things that happens in the entire movie. Like true. Those two are just kind of joking. Like, there's the one line where one guy is kind of goofing on the other, and that's about it. Yeah, it's really like a very so serious. It's a heavy film. I gotta buy this one. That that is kind of my general rule. Like, I I'm a big fan of owning my own movies, and mm-hmm. I won't buy something that I I don't want to just have on cue at all times like if it's, if someone was to say oh i've not seen that movie i want to be able to go home grab it hand it to him and say watch it yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those movies where it's like i want to have this on my shelf available to watch anytime like i really i really want to know if ben keen has seen this i'd love to talk to ben keen about this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't know i've loved yeah. talking to you about this don't don't take that the wrong way but no i got you i got you <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah, what's, what's doing up there i think that's all the thoughts i've got actually okay yeah i mean that's i've kind of hit everything that i i've been thinking about i've been i've been thinking about this a lot like this has been a pretty unforgettable mm-hmm. pretty unforgettable movie it's one that sticks like sometimes you watch a movie even if it's heavy and like thought-provoking and it's like man i'll think about that tomorrow yeah like, i've been thinking about this movie a lot like it's fantastic yeah it's really it's really good it's one that's kind of like sits in you oh yeah it it's it sticks with you that's for sure um i loved it uh if you could give it a rating out of 10 what would you what would you say i'd throw that bad boy on like a nine probably i'm caught somewhere between an eight and a nine yes it's so good um You know, this is kind of what I thought it'd be. Just be kind of both of us short monologuing our, our thoughts back and forth <laughs> off of each other. Um, I, I'm glad we talked about this. I'm glad that you gave it a 
a glowing review and finally got me to cough up my my three dollars and rent it it's not something i regret it's fantastic so thank you for kind of forcing my hand kindly to watch this movie oh yes of Um, course of course so happy happy to force your hand anytime (laughs) you say the word you got it brother man Hey, love you too, dog. All right. So, uh, I really appreciate Matt getting on and talking with me. I, he's the one that got me turned on to the film and I really greatly enjoyed it. So I'm glad that he got to sit down and talk to me and that we could kind of discuss the film together. Um, a couple short things before we close. Uh, the best film I watched this past week was probably uh, A Ghost Story, the 2016 David Lowry film. Um, I just watched it like three minutes ago as the time I'm recording this. Um, I haven't had a lot of time to think about it, but it's definitely better than everything else I watched. So it's on Netflix. It's pretty good. Um, uh, in Watford news, Watford lost this past week to Wolverhampton Wanderers, 2-0. It was really kind of disappointing. We scored an own goal off of a corner, so once again, set pieces are completely dismantling us. And then they scored again a couple minutes later, just a double delete. So it was pretty embarrassing. Wolves are one of the better teams in the Premier League, so it's it's hard to get too down in the mouth about it, but it's, it's awfully discouraging to see a loss like that. Um, this coming week, we've got Norwich, which are the actual worst team in the Premier League. Then after that, we've got Newcastle, which are also another one of the bottom dwellers. So these are two games we need to walk away with six points. We need to get two wins. Um, we haven't found the back of the net since week one. So that's, that's three weeks where we haven't seen anything go in. So we need to get things going. And these are the opponents to really kickstart that. So hopefully we'll see how that goes. Um, Ragnar is coming up very, very soon. We've only got one more weekend until that. So I'm recording this outro on Tuesday. Uh, We leave in nine days. So it's coming pretty quick. I'm thinking about it a lot. Just the running is is coming. Um, I've had some, some things I'll talk about. After the race, I've got a whole podcast planned for that, but it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to making that short film about it. So that'll be, that's probably the thing that I'm most excited about, about the race. Honestly, it's not even the race itself. So who knows? It should be fun. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it a lot. If you love the podcast, share it with someone you love. If you hate it, share it with someone you hate. And until next week, silence.